grad student. Hey, next time you decide to break a release day download record, can y'all give me some warning first? No surprises here, but last week's episode with Dr. Raven the Science Maven got the most downloads in a single day by any episode ever. Thank you all so much, new listeners and old, for finding this podcast and giving it a chance. Speaking of breaking records, the podcast has a few goals headed into fall semester. Very good, very healthy. First, we are super close to 25,000 total downloads. For those of you keeping track at home, yeah, it still hasn't been a year of this podcast, and that is a lot of downloads for a podcast, okay? So if you have new people joining your lab or undergrads mentioning that they might be interested in grad school, or if you just have someone in your lab who's like, looking for some, I don't know, celebration, commiseration, and support, it would mean the world to me if you would recommend this podcast to them. Also, we are so close to 20 podcast patrons. So close, I can taste it, and it tastes like victory. Anyways, uh, if you're someone who has been listening and loving this podcast, I would love your help getting to 20 patrons. In fact, for everyone who signs up between now and 20, of course, including 20, you will get a social media and podcast shout out of me confessing my love and devotion to you and... Once we get to 20 patrons, I'm going to do a mug giveaway that all patrons will be eligible for. Plus, I have a group of amazing volunteer grad students joining the Dear Grad Student team over the next few months. They're going to help me, you know, keep producing the podcast at this pace and help grow the podcast. And I would really, really love to pay these people for their time in the future. So your support on Patreon is getting me closer to that happening. So if you want to check out options for all of this, you can go to patreon.com slash student. Okay, your time is valuable, my time is valuable. Let's go ahead and start today's episode. Today's episode is all about building relationships and cultivating community with incoming second year PhD student, Katie Shillington. Listeners, welcome back to your favorite grad school podcast, Dear Grad Student, the podcast where grad students can come together to celebrate, commiserate, and support one another through this long and difficult journey. I'm Alana, I'm a fifth-year doctoral student and your host, and I'm joined today by a second-year PhD student studying resilience-promoting behaviors towards positive mental health, Katie Shillington. Welcome to the podcast! (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm super excited to have you because I feel like, honestly, I'm a broken record just of myself at this point. I'm like, what, 45 (laughs) episodes in, but you're another person where I feel like we've interacted on Twitter and I'm like, oh yeah, one day I'm going to get to meet Katie. Today is the day. It's happening. I know. It's true. I was telling Kara, who you've interviewed before, I told Kara, I was like, I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity. Like I'm meeting Alana. I'm meeting a celebrity today. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you with my averageness. I'm a normal person. (laughs) I probably know less about what I'm doing than you do. No, no, it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to the podcast. So glad we're finally meeting. So glad the podcast listeners are here to to witness or I guess listen to our our first meeting. It's very romantic. Before (laughs) we get started, I do want to tell people where they can connect and find you online. So where can the folks find you on social media or website? Where can they find you? 
So they can find me on Twitter would probably be the main, and I guess LinkedIn, but LinkedIn's just, just my name, which is Katie Shillington. And then my Twitter is KJ Shillington. I can spell that if it's pretty straightforward. You know what? We're in season two. It's going to be in the description. The people know where to find. I don't know if anyone's like, let me play back that podcast four times to get the right. It's in the description, y'all. Just make your lives easier. Perfect. (laughs) Katie, I really want to hear a little bit about what you researched just so that people listening sort of have context because we're going to be talking about building relationships. We're going to be talking about cultivating community. And when this episode comes out, some folks are going to be just a couple of weeks away from starting a new semester starting a new academic year. And I feel like with COVID and people coming back in person, it's going to be so important to either build those relationships for the first time or be in a totally different social role. Like I was a third year before like COVID hit and I'm a fifth year. And that's a very different social role in terms of like hosting things for younger students and and like what have you. So this is perfectly timed. And I think that your whole like research around like positive mental health, it's all going to weave in. It's all going to weave in. So I want to <laughs> hear first, what's your thing? What do you research? And like, what are you in grad school for? So as you mentioned, I research resilience, promoting behaviors towards positive mental health. So these behaviors are things like acts of kindness or pro-social behaviors or coping strategies, and typically during challenging times. So whether it's with university students or graduate students, I do some work with uh, women who've experienced intimate partner violence. And of course, more recently, people during COVID, adults during COVID. So um, a lot of my work focuses on acts of kindness and pro-social behavior and resilience, as I mentioned. So whether it's an intervention for, for building that or measuring and investigating people's levels of resilience or graduate students' levels of resilience during COVID. I've got a few projects on the go, so (laughs) it's like hard to keep track, but yeah, I really like the topic. So, (laughs) You know, it's interesting, you know, my mentor does a little bit of work with optimism. And I feel like the second you said acts of kindness, I immediately thought about like all those viral videos that are like a social experiment. Like (laughs) I'm going to give this person $500. What are they going to do? And it's like, okay. But it made me think about you're actually like legitimately researching maybe like what motivates that, how to increase that, things like that. My other question for you was, are you also being clinically trained or are you in like a, like an experimental psychology program or what kind of program are you in? I don't know what kind of program, what kind of program are you in? <laughs> so I'm not in a psych program, but um, okay. whenever we, so when we've submitted to journals, there typically is that psych component. So I have had to write a bit about the positive psychology piece, which is not my realm, but sure. um, I know bits and pieces of it just from having to, to write about it. And a lot of the work that I do is in the psychology fields, but yeah. I'm in... Um, Uh, health sciences. So uh, health promotion is my stream. So it's more of taking a a behavioral or like health lens to it rather than a psych lens, I suppose. But you're in psych, right? So I was just going to say I am in psych, but I do health psychology. So like I'm probably right at the same place that you are just in like a different outer, like out, like the border of it all. Yeah. Because I do like psych and immunology, similar, but different that I'm very mm-hmm. interdisciplinary as well. So that's why I was like, oh, this sounds like psychology, but I'm like also not surprised that it's not. Also, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I did know that about you because that's how you know Kara, right? Yeah. Kara okay. and I are in the same program. Um, yes. She's just a year below me, but yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I will link Kara's episode below so that you know what the heck we're talking about. That was a very yeah. fun episode because I, I really just feel like we were, we had so much in common that we kept finding out throughout the, throughout the episode. And at one point we were just like screaming about both having premenstrual dysphoric disorder and it was like really beautiful. It was like, 
just like a lot of it was great it was fantastic so i'll leave that below great So let's go ahead and jump into what today's episode is about. I already talked about this a little bit before, but with starting a new academic year, jumping into new social roles, and just like the weird things that COVID has done to social behavior, like I definitely act different around people. I feel different. (laughs) And I think that we're all feeling a lot more isolated, even with the connections we have in our life. So just from like your perspective, because you're a second year, which means you've Mm -hmm. basically only done grad school in COVID. I've only done my PhD in COVID. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, amazing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but you've done a great job, clearly. Tell me a little bit about like from your like your opinion. What is it about relationships that are so important for grad school? Like, what do you think? So I think from my experience, at least for us, we do courses in year one. I don't know how it, it looks in yours or other mm-hmm. people's programs, but we do courses in year one, whether it's in your master's or your PhD. And then after that, it's dedicated to either your candidacy exam or research and, and whatnot. So after year one, you know, you're not in class anymore. And I mean, even classes this past year were all virtual. So you weren't sure. really in classes anyway. Yeah. So for me, like I wouldn't be going onto campus unless I had meetings or I had any that's my only purpose like I'm not in a lab like I'm not doing any equipment type right. work I really right. commend people who do because I have no <laughs> idea how to do that but me yeah <laughs> Um, so literally like the only reason I would have to come onto campus would be for meetings at this point. So I think I mean grad school and and your PhD can be really isolating and can be yeah you can feel really alone during it. So having a community and and building those relationships are so, so important to, I mean, personally for my mental health and my overall well-being. And I think that like this looks different for everyone. So personally, like I'm a really introverted person. I mean, it doesn't mean that I don't like being social. Clearly, I'm having a conversation yeah. with you right now. <laughs> like voluntarily but... on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, here I am. Here you are. But I know that it looks different for every for everyone, whether someone's like super extroverted and needs that interaction all the time. I mean, COVID has limited that. And so we're in this unique place where we're all trying to figure out how to navigate it in, in the new year. And uh, in my experience, I've found that having relationships and having people in my core has significantly improved my my well-being, my research productivity. And I think it's important to clarify that these are people who are going to support you, the people that are going to lift you up, the people that are going to cheer you on when you feel like giving up. And so it's not necessarily surrounding yourself with any community, but surrounding yourself with the community that feels right for you and that will serve you in the long run. I love that because here's kind of how I feel about it, right? Like when you join a department and it it depends department to department, like there are some where you're seeing these people multiple times throughout the week. Like I know in my program, you know, we had like weekly meetings on Fridays for professional development. Clinical students saw each other at the clinic multiple times a week. You're taking classes together, you know, first, second, and third year, just depending on like when things are offered. And Mm -hmm. so you're seeing these people really regularly. And I think in my program, there's like 30 people. It's really easy to be like, well, these are the people around me. And so I'll just become friends with them, whether or not they're good for me. 
at some level, it's like, okay, yes, like these are the people that are going to understand exactly what you're going through and how hard grad school is and how hard this, you know, X, Y, Z classes and program requirements. Absolutely. But there's something to be said about exactly what you said. Like, this is something I've learned in adulthood. This doesn't sound like so dramatic. I'm not the first person <laughs> to say this. I'm just like, you're all just hearing like my quarter life crisis out loud. Welcome. We can like actually choose who we want to be friends with. <laughs> we are like not obligated <laughs> to like please everybody turns out this is like it's very new fresh for me uh haven't implemented this of course but <laughs> it's in the brain now but like truly you know we have an option for who we surround ourselves with and i feel like this was still a new concept for me i went to a smaller mm-hmm. high school there was like 94 in my class so it was like whoever was around you was who was around you and yeah. then when i moved into my freshman dorm my floor had 12 people on it and we all became super close but it was like who was around you was who was around you like those and you just like latched on and then grad school is really similar like smaller programs like Mm. whoever was and I've made wonderful friends and it also means that like I have had really toxic situations that I've taken so personally because I've been like Mm -hmm. we have to get along we're we're doing the same thing don't you want to get along with me and like for all those reasons you mentioned like it's good for well-being like when you're in a positive productive work environment like I think about like going to like a library with a friend to like get that paper done like that's easier than going alone right we think about that kind Mm -hmm. of thing for research productivity so to like take it personal like it's so easy to take it personally if like you don't get along with people in your program and in many ways that was my experience at least at first so I love your point about like choose people that lift you up (laughs) if they don't lift you up it's probably not you like it's not your fault and There's also something to be said about the community you build while in grad school with non-grad students. (laughs) Yes. And that's another point that I wanted to bring up was, I mean, when I started my master's, I, I was new to the program, similar to everyone else. And then I finished my master's in one year instead of two. So I then joined the PhD program. Isn't that what Kara did? Karen's you people, <laughs> you people, <laughs> take a breath, have a drink, calm down, take a seat. Yeah, Kara is following my crazy footsteps. Really, it's a wild ride. I don't know why, how either of us embarked on it, but like, here we I are. don't know either. And like, I want to send you like a fruit basket and be like, are you good? Like, should we start a GoFundMe for like self care? Do you need soaps? And like, do you need a? Ma- I can get you a massage. Like, what do you need? Like, I'm war. I'm. Are you okay? Like, maybe touch base with us in in the fall. We might not be okay. Great. I will. But... That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a social media touch base. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So because my cohort started with these people, and then I transferred over. I went into the PhD program. I had completely new people in yeah. my in my group, and I was no longer a part of that that cohort that was in the master's group because I had I had already finished in terms of like my community, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a bit later, but I'm like my closest friends in the program are actually students who are either incoming masters or a first or second year masters, masters, just it happened to work out that way. So for me, like you said, it's the people that's around you all the time. For me, it was like the opposite. Like I didn't really have, I didn't have a place. And so the people around me were the people I, I had either already known and built like those relationships further. Yeah, it's hard, right? Because you know, and, and like my thing that I've talked about this on the podcast before is just how young I was coming into it. You know, most of the people mm. we think about, like I started in a clinical psychology program and they're just like wildly competitive to get into. So a lot of people take a few years to get in. So most people in the program were like 25, 26, 27. And now being mm. 26, I'm like, oh, that's how annoying I was at 21. But 
being 21, <laughs> I was like, why does no one like me? Why does everyone find me annoying? And the truth is that we just had a huge age gap and we had totally different interests in life and we had totally different involvement on social media and just ever it was like mm-hmm. a generational gap essentially. But I didn't have any understanding of that. And so I found myself surrounded by people who like very purposely didn't want to get to know me, which is like fine. Like not every person needs to like you. But it was super isolating. So I obviously Mm -hmm. found my people and like that was wonderful. But I think the reality is, is that not everybody goes into grad school. You know, like the people listening to this podcast, the people who are guests, the people that I interact with on Twitter, these are our people, right? Mm -hmm. But not every single person comes into grad school being like, this is awesome. I want a community of these people. I want to be a good person to these people. Like not every person does. And I don't mean that in a rude way. I mean Mm -hmm. that in a like set your expectations, that you're seeing the best of the best on Twitter. You're seeing the best of the best on some of the people that you interact with on this podcast or other podcasts you listen to. Not every person's going to be that awesome and nice and super into collaboration. And that's not on you. And you don't need to feel any way about it, except that like, that's just not your person. And I think for me, I just had this expectation of like, I'm going to get there and everyone's going to be as excited as me and everyone's going to be as driven and so into it. And, you know, we are the same. We all want this thing. So we must all be the same. And like, that was so not what I experienced that it was like low-key like a minor trauma (laughs) to like kind of be like oh Oh, no it was shocking yeah it was shocking so I feel like community is so important but also like expectations of like you will find your people and it might not be who you expect and it might not be exactly who you like expected to be when you first walk in like my lab is absolutely amazing but like I didn't get that Mm -hmm. experience with every other person in the program even if I saw them a lot and like that's okay Mm-hmm. But like, that was hard. That was super hard. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting about the age gap, because I feel like it's very different in Canada, and, or at least in our program, I can't, I guess, speak to all of Canada. But, yeah, sure. Um, speaking for because... the entire country of Canada. <laughs> speaking for the nation. For the nation. <laughs> really, you could start a podcast. Katie Shillington, for the nation. Welcome back. I'm Katie. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, that's really interesting though about the the age gap because in, in our program, there were some students that were older, but the majority of the students were like fresh out of undergrad or oh, fresh out of um, yeah. master's. So it's kind of, it sounds like it's almost the opposite. Like you had the experience where like you were one of the youngest and mo- majority of the people were older. And for us over yes. here, it's, it's typically the reverse. So I can imagine it would be challenging finding your circle. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was just sort of like, I didn't think the age gap was a big thing. And like, even now, I mean, if I meet like a 21 22 year old I'm not gonna I'm not gonna act the way that I was treated because I'm like mm-hmm. I get it right but it, you know people come from different backgrounds and like I have a really big personality like I have no qualms <laughs> about saying that I can be a lot to handle sometimes some people are uninterested in getting used to that and that's okay <laughs> Do you love, do you love like my inner self-therapy talk that I have? Anyways. I do love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Worked very hard on this confidence. But I would also say like my cohort, it was like one girl was also right out of undergrad and like obviously we latched onto each other and we're best friends now. But then I think the Mm. other people in my cohort was like 27 and 29. And then the cohort above me, only one person out of seven came straight through undergrad and everyone else had had like multiple years off. Mm. So very different. And that's like fine. But I feel like we've talked about both sides 
of it, right? So I like saw a lot of people around, eventually found my people. You saw a lot of people, but they weren't quite your people because you were friends with people in a different part of the program or like just because you had shifted around. I would love to spend some time giving listeners, especially those about to start first year or especially those who are like, how do I get back into the swing of doing this? Like people have left programs, people have joined programs, like it's a whole different social environment. What advice would you give for like building community when we're returning to campus this fall? I think it's it's really individual dependent. My program at the beginning of the year does a lot of like icebreakers, whether it's mm-hmm. in person or online, like trivia nights or bar nights, whatever it looks like. And for me, like that's not my scene. Like I get that email and I'm like, bye. Like I don't, I that just- That is so my best friend in this program. She literally was like, are you going to this? I'm not going to this. And I'm the person who's like, trivia night? Like, yes, I let's go. I'm so excited. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so those types of things I think are good for people like you. <laughs> people like and me. <laughs> extroverted people. Right, right, right. Um, and so like, if that's you and if that's you listening, like take advantage of those opportunities. They might not be the most comfortable things to do, especially when you're new to the program. And especially yeah. if you don't know anyone. I mean, I was in a fortunate position where I have done all my degrees from the same institution. So I had already, like I knew the city, I knew the school, I knew a lot of the profs, like I had some friends already. So my experience was, I think, a bit different than if you're completely going to a new institution. And I yeah. really commend people who do that because I can imagine how scary and how vulnerable you have to be in those situations. Yeah. And I think if you're like me and you're not those type of people to want to get out and go to the trivia night and go to the bars or whatever it is, I've found like some of my community just joining different things, whether it's like a student council. I've been on a couple councils the past few years. And so that's been nice meeting people. And I just find that they're like a smaller group of people. So it's not as for me, overwhelming meeting people. And then if you take courses in your one, like I had to, I remember I was in my master's and we had to pick partners for a project. It was probably like first couple weeks of school. And I had just randomly like saw this, this girl. And I was like, I'm going to ask her to be my partner. I have no idea who she is. She gives me good vibes. Oh my God. Good for you. Yeah. So for me, like that was huge because like, I don't like talking to people I don't know. And like, it's, it's hard to, for me to do that. So, I mean, those little things like get you to building your community and building your circle. And I think, I mean, a lot of it too, through my experience depends on your research team. Like you had mentioned, like, I think it sounded like you have a good relationship with the people on your team. And that's very similar to my research team from the beginning. It's been a very supportive and collaborative environment. Like we lift yeah. each other up, we help each other. Like we, it's, it's, there's like no room for competition, like on my team. So all of us are like really good friends. And so I know that that's not the experience for everyone and not everyone has that same relationship with their supervisor or with their, with their team. But if your supervisor, I guess, is not creating a space to, to facilitate those, like you can still reach out to those people on your team and you can still, I guess, build those relationships further. Hey, time for a quick break to thank today's sponsor. Now, the next 90 seconds is especially for students on fellowship who are receiving fellowship income for the first time this fall. So listen closely. are a grad student, postdoc, or postbac at a U.S. university who does not have their income tax automatically withheld from your paycheck, then the IRS may expect to receive income tax payments from you throughout the year for up to four times per year. And if you are required to pay and fail to, the IRS can fine you. 
Luckily, there are some solutions. First, you can use the estimated tax worksheet in Form 1040-ES to see what you might need to pay. But tax forms are confusing and errors can take a long time to find and fix. So for help with navigating this process, you can join the Quarterly Estimated Tax for Fellowship Recipients Workshop hosted by Dr. Emily Roberts of Personal Finance for PhDs. You will have access to videos, a spreadsheet, and a live Q&A call held on September 12th, 2021. You will learn how to fill out the estimated tax worksheet and handle common scenarios faced by fellowship trainees. Now, this can save you time, energy, and keep you from being unexpectedly fined. The next estimated tax payment deadline is September 15th, 2021. So run, don't walk. Even if you're not required to make this first payment, it's a great idea to save up for your eventual tax payments from your first fellowship paycheck. So if you want access to this workshop, you can go to deargradstudent.com slash qtax. That's deargradstudent.com slash Q-T-A-X. Okay, back to your favorite podcast. Yeah, I love the range of things that you mentioned because the one of the things I was going to say was like all those dorky things that like either if your department has like a student social chair, like I know sometimes they'll have like a student representative to like organize events or if the faculty are organizing events, you don't need to go to all of them, especially if you're like Katie and you're like, it's not really my thing. It can be super uncomfortable. My boyfriend, Luke, he is the same way. He is so introverted, which is <laughs> actually why I think he and I balance well. But I was going to say, you know, go to a couple of those, you know, those are a really good opportunity where everyone's feeling a little bit uncomfortable and vulnerable. This is especially true for first years. You know, everyone's going to be feeling a little bit new and that can be a really good first time of just being like, you know what? Everyone kind of feels this way. And those also will stop occurring (laughs) at some point. Like they will stop (laughs) hosting the trivia and then they'll be like, shoot, I wish I would have gone to those because now people kind of know each other and now it's even harder. So Mm -hmm. not to say like capture people when they're vulnerable, but like, you know, (laughs) get to folks when they're vulnerable and you're vulnerable too. And you can kind of bond over like either how weird it is, how awkward it is, how freaked out you are, how stressed you are. Like you can bond over that Mm -hmm. to start and, and, you know, build a relationship from there but I also love that you mentioned like just sitting next to or grabbing someone in a class for a project meeting people in your lab like that was the first community that I like really built once I got into my program I mean I look back at this and it's so on brand for me I like literally want to throw up because (laughs) I like emailed my lab me like getting into grad school I was like got in in March and I like emailed my lab like oh me and my boyfriend are coming to search for houses like let's all go out to dinner the whole lab and me (laughs) Like, who was I? I really, I really like, admire you for doing that. Because, like, <laughs> I, I don't know like, where I look <laughs> back and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you really thought. And, like, everyone came. But I'm just like, oh, God. Like, that's so me. I just, like, and, like, I was just so eager. And, like, that's nothing's wrong with that. I'm just a lot. And I love it now. But, like, I was just, that's like, great. so <laughs> excited. Yeah, it was a lot. But that was a way that I built some relationships in my lab. Some that have even rung true for like when certain students have left, they've continued to like be friends and mentors to Mm -hmm. me. So it like extends on past first year when that one person's there for a year or two years or whatever. So definitely start within your lab. That's like a safe place to start. And then 
do what works for you as a person, like sitting next to someone in class, going to the trivia nights or bar nights, like whatever is good for you. You do have to be outside your comfort zone a little bit. I hate to say that, yeah, but it's true. It, <laughs> it is true. Yeah. And I mean, uh, when I joined my lab, so I joined as a master's student, but I had worked with my supervisor as an undergraduate research assistant for two years and did a Mm -hmm. project with her. So I had already had a great working relationship with her. And so I had known some people on the team, but they were all PhD students and they were fourth year PhD students. And I was first year master's student. So I was so scared like coming in. And even though I knew them, I was just like, they're so much smarter than me. They know so much more than I do. <laughs> like, Oh my I gosh, but they're just normal people at the end of it, you know? I know. And it's so true. And like looking back, I'm so grateful for them and the environment that my supervisor, Dr. Jennifer Irwin, she created because there are people that I still talk to today. And so while they like finished the year that I started, they were so eager to help me with like, if I had any questions or, you know, I'm doing an ethics application and they already have a template or they have responses like and so that. that community I think really like started it for me and I feel very privileged to now be in a position where I'm the PhD student and we have oh, four master students but like so beautiful so, yeah and so it's like it's really cool to like see how things have evolved and you know I'm getting asked questions that I asked when I was in their position and yeah I I do just really want to like emphasize like your research team being a core component of your community and even if your team is small at first like have hope because I was once a team of one I was that's right a team of one after all the PhD students left for a year where it was just me. And <laughs> and you survived. And I survived. And uh, Jen, my supervisor, was on sabbatical that year. So that is called survival, everyone. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> cue the circle of life from the Disney yeah. cast of whatever. Like just hearing you being like, and now they're asking me the questions that I asked. You know, I think that this is a great time to flip this for a second and say like, I know a lot of people in grad school listen to this podcast. I really have a blend of like first years and people applying who ask like, I want episodes on this. And then I have people who are in grad school who are like, Alana, what the fuck comes next? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know either. But this is something I can actually give advice on because I'm an older student and older students listen. I think if you are, I don't know, like third year and above in this academic year, you know, upcoming here, fall 2021. I want you to remember how hard it was to make friends first year. I want you to remember, especially for students who moved to a new place like I did, just like how new everything was. Like just going to campus was exhausting because it was like, am I driving the right way? Am I parking the right place? How do I walk to where I'm going? Like all this stuff that I don't even think about now, energy was getting put towards that. First year and second year are really hard socially in some ways because like it's just all so new. I was somebody Mm -hmm. who came from such a like warm, supportive undergraduate institution where like I knew every single professor. I knew every single person who was heavily involved in the department because I made a point to. And not not that my grad experience wasn't that, but it was like so different to go from I'm so familiar to I'm not familiar at all. So if you're an older graduate student and you are starting this academic year, if you were waiting for a sign, this is it. Reach (laughs) out to a first year, reach out to a second year. And just be like, how, how are you doing? How's it going? You know, if they are more introverted or or what have you, like invite them to a coffee shop where it's not like 50 mm. people on one being like, so where'd you come from? What do you, you know, who are you working with? You know, just like a one-on-one can be really nice. So engage, especially if they're in your lab, engage with the first year, engage with the second year, especially as we're coming off COVID and just try to be there for them so that they're comfortable asking you questions. So they at least feel like there's one person there. I really feel like as an older graduate student, 
It is a responsibility. I've heard my department chair talk about this, and it's something I think about all the time, about professors who are good departmental citizens. And I I think that it goes for grad students too. Be a good grad student citizen, right? You want to care for those around you, and it helps your own environment. If Mm -hmm. grad students in your lab are happy, you're happy. So it's not just fully selfless if you're somebody who's like well what does that do for me (laughs) i don't know why i listen to this podcast if that's you but if it's you uh, it also benefits you but i think like reach out to people who are younger reach out to people who are in their first year like this shit's hard do not forget how hard it was for you like don't yeah it makes such a difference too i mean to your research team as a whole too so i'm thinking about this year so this past year i had there's two master students and me and now this upcoming year we have two more coming in mm-hmm. and one of them has worked as an ra on our team in undergrads like we already knew her she's like been with us for sure. a couple of years but the other girl is from a completely different institution so um we didn't know her but we met her because our supervisor before she like brings anyone on she likes to have them meet the team before they decide to come on because she's like Very you know nice. I can tell you what yeah she's plugged for my supervisor because lab Jen is culture great. is so important <laughs> so important yeah she's the best so yeah she has this incoming students meet because she's like I can talk about myself and how I work but like I don't know like I'm not working with me like my students right. are so like anyway we met with this girl beforehand she ended up coming on we threw her in our group chat with us literally never yes. met this girl like uh, in person at all but she's like in our group chat and like we all talk and we ended up doing a surprise for Jen our supervisor's birthday and we like included her in on it Jen's like I haven't even met you in person but like she joined our zoom call and it was just so so nice and I just think it makes such a difference because even now like I'm seeing her um, like ask us questions about living ask us questions about you know enrollment and different things like that and and like starting from the outset and like building that community like you said as like an upper year PhD student it makes everyone's life easier in the long run like and just so much more enjoyable wow what an amazing example of literally doing exactly what I was just talking like what a great (laughs) real life example but like that's just like adding the new lab member to the group chat takes Mm -hmm. zero effort and like they just immediately feel included like there are ways to do it that like will not stress you out they won't take time away from your research if you're worried about that like gosh just be nice to, i don't just be nice yeah. to people like i don't <laughs> yeah just i don't know just, yeah um i am curious before we head on to final thoughts what has been the hardest part about building community for you like what do you wish you knew beforehand I think part of the hard part is the competition piece that I think is a part of academia and grad school in general. Like, sure. like I said, we don't have any of it on my team or anything, but it's, it's in the department. It's in, it's in the sphere of like the academic world. So like, it's, it's hard to build community and, and relationships with people when that competition might be present I think to be mindful of of that like because that makes things tricky for sure COVID of course is like a completely new layer that adds to building relationships and cultivating community hard as well like I I'm fortunate to know a few girls from my program like in their PhD as well but I've never met them in person like I know them online but like I I don't know like how we'll interact or like there's always just that awkward like what are we going to do when we see each other like (laughs) I love yeah that energy is all (laughs) yeah but necessary yeah and it's it's like everyone's gonna be in that same boat when we go back to campus and I think another thing that is a bit 
more challenging too is for us, because I don't know if masters are as common in, in the States as they are in Canada. I know you and Kara talked a bit about that. I'm really yeah. plugging your episode. No, thank today. you so much because <laughs> usually it's me annoyingly plugging myself. So I like really love this. It's usually like there are some research masters that are like they exist to get you into a different PhD program. But like typically with PhD programs, you do like a first year project or you get a master's along the way. So it's part of it so like I joined a PhD program and my first two years were spent doing a master's thesis and then I just continued on in the same program but like I it was like a like a mile marker like a candidacy exam but it was like pre that okay because I was just gonna say like that's another one of like the harder things is like if you have master students on your team that perhaps aren't pursuing a PhD then that sense of your community is is gone like if you are that PhD student so for me like I'm I'm in that boat where a lot of my friends are in their masters and a couple of them are continuing with their PhD, which is great. And I'm, I mean, great for me. Like, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> um, and I'm sure they'll love it, but there's also some that like don't want or need to do a PhD for what they want to do, which right. is great for them. And I'm happy that they're pursuing what they want to do. Real sad for, for me because yeah. I'm losing, losing that part of my community. So sure. I think that that's another one of the challenges. And of course, just to circle back to what we said at the beginning, having friends like who aren't aren't in academia. It's important and it's a challenge, I find. And I think it's with anything. Like if even if you compare like people's jobs, like not everyone's going to understand what other people's jobs are. Just like my friends who aren't in doing their PhD under, don't really understand like what I do. Like I'm right. saying I'm doing a, a candidacy exam or I'm saying like I published this paper, which is like major news. And they're like, that's great. And I know they're happy for me, but like, I'm like, no, like I published a paper. Right. Like, right. <laughs> Years of my life, pain yeah. and crying, 15 drafts. Yeah. Four revise and resubmits. <laughs> reviewer two destroyed Tearing me. It. Tore me yeah. apart. And they're like, oh my God, yeah. good job. What are we having for dinner? Yeah. It's and like, like yeah. I know they're so, so like supportive and thrilled for me. And they have shown support in like so many different ways. Like, I mean, when I did my master's defense, like they were on a Zoom and I defended on Zoom because it was in COVID. So um, they were on Zoom with me beforehand. Oh. I gave them questions. They oh. were asking me questions like, and oh my God, they were like, that. not even knowing, like, of course, like anything of the project, but they're like, yeah, so I see that you use the social interaction anxiety scale. Can you please tell me the, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> fully leaning into it. And so like, I love that. And I love that I have people not in academia to also, you know, to support me. I am Um, shocked and I'm so happy for you. And also (laughs) I would like that. Like I have it, but like that's next level. Like I'm, that is incredible. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I didn't get a couple scholarships just this year. I was upset. I I'm in London there in another town, Chatham, and they sent me ice cream like to my door. And so like, they just support me in like so many ways. I'm so, so grateful for them just as I'm grateful for people in my academic circle. Yeah. And so similarly, like there's challenges with friends in academia and there's challenges with friends, you know, outside of academia and, and in your circles in general, because like nobody understands what anyone's doing. And so no. but showing that support and cheering people on regardless of understanding like makes a world of a difference Ooh, showing that support regardless of understanding (laughs) I am obsessed with that I think it's really important because like it kind of speaks to what I've tried to focus on with this podcast like I've been trying to not just have psychology folks on this podcast it's my like constant struggle (laughs) because so many people who listen are in psychology but like I've had people on who are like in astro I've had people on like you like you're in health sciences like I don't know what you're doing but I'm rooting you on Like, Mm -hmm. I want you to be successful. And 
I think that it's really important to sort of just like have that mindset with all people. Like there are even people that I talk with, like that I will be on the job market with them in my area. And it just doesn't serve me to be competitive with them. Mm -hmm. And that's like what I like to think about. Like if I put any energy into being competitive, that's taking away energy of making myself more successful. So it's just not worth it, but you will probably, like you said, experience it. But I love this whole thing about like the outside of academia people it really grounds you like it reminds me every time I interact with that group of friends like oh my god like I am in my mid-20s and like (laughs) then I usually remind myself of how much money they're making and that's why they want to go to a cabin for $200 during the weekend because that's nothing oh my god and I'm literally like that's why I almost have my paycheck but I'll go like sure I won't buy groceries for three weeks I'll go to the you know so it's like yeah sure that it also like brings me down to that but But it does remind me, like, I'm in my mid-20s and I'm still having fun and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to be in, like, a sleazy little tank top and, like, my tight little (laughs) jeans and, like, go out and be like, oh, my God, I'm 20. Like, let's live. (laughs) So you, like, need those moments. Whatever that is for you. I'm sure that not everyone listening, like, that's not how you live. And, like, that's (laughs) fine. Not everyone should. I don't even know if I should. But whatever it is. Right. If you go to like your D&D tournaments or like whatever it is that helps you feel like you're alive outside of grad school, making Mm -hmm. you feel that way, do it. And with that, (laughs) I want to get to final thoughts. I feel like we've talked about a lot and I don't know. It's just like it's so crucial to the core of what the podcast is about. Just this this point of relationship. So I want to give some people takeaways, points to remember when they leave. And maybe we can like tailor these a little bit to just as we're entering this academic year, like very specifically, what are some points you want people to remember going into the fall? I think don't be afraid to reach out to people, whether it's in person or it's sending an email or a message. Like that's what one of the girls I'm friends with now in my PhD program, like she sent me a Facebook message and was like, look, our supervisors are friends. I think we'll get along. Like, let's be friends. Honestly, should I move to Canada? Are people just like like that in Canada? My God. Beautiful. Low key, you should. (laughs) Honestly, every single day I learn another reason why I should move to Canada. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, so like I mean send those messages because in the like especially as we navigate into whatever the new year is going to look like, yeah, everyone's in that same boat. Or if you're in like a similar boat to us where you've been in the program for a couple of years and perhaps or at least in my sense, like I've met people online, but I haven't met them in person. Like this is a note for myself and I right, guess a note right. for others <laughs> too. Like, don't be afraid to be like, hey, let's go for coffee now that we yes. can go for coffee. Like so different things like that, I think are the main things. And then of course, cultivating that relationship, those relationships in your your lab, making that environment just so welcoming and so comfortable for people that are new and keeping people in your circle who are not in academia to yes. remind you what life is like beyond the books and the research. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I love your takeaways. I'm trying this new thing this season where I don't take takeaways from my guests because they come up with all the good ones. So I thought of some that you didn't come up with, which is like, <laughs> oh, please hold your round of applause. Um, <laughs> the first one I want to bring up is, you know, I didn't, I don't focus on this on the podcast and I didn't focus on this in this episode and I'm never going to focus on it because I really don't want to bring negativity to the podcast. But I do want to say like, I have said enough throughout these episodes to make it very clear that I had a very negative social exper- like experience early in grad school fine. I don't take it personally now. I'm never going to get into it. It's not 
necessary to make that fully public information. But I just like did. That's the truth mm-hmm. of it. So I just want to speak to anyone right now who's like, yeah, Lana, this episode is great, but like I'm not having a good time. Mm-hmm. I want to say and I want to remind you that people graduate and join your program every year. It will not forever be like this. And even if it is, you will eventually graduate or leave the program. So if you are having a really negative social experience and you're just feeling alone and it's just been really hard to build your relationship, I see you. I am here to support you. This is why I like academic Twitter, because there's a lot of positivity just socially with PhD students. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of negativity usually coming from like some old white guy, but like generally (laughs) otherwise, uh, it's pretty positive. It's a good place to be reminded that like there are non-toxic people in academia so I see you. You're not alone in experiencing things like that. The other thing that I'll say is definitely, I'm stealing one of yours anyways. I'm so sorry. Definitely in- <laughs> interacting with people outside of academia and definitely latching onto your lab as sort of a first line of defense. If that does not work out, you have a cohort. If that does not work out, there might be older students or there might be students coming in. Like some of my really good friends in my program are students that came in the year after me. And that was really when it was like, okay, I have multiple people now that I like mm-hmm. really can turn to. It became a lot less intense when I found I wasn't fitting in with other students. So just knowing that like what you're experiencing is likely not going to be forever. And I don't say that to minimize it. I, I say that to be like, it won't always be this hard. And and that's really all I want to say on it. I don't want to make this too negative. This really is about like building relationships and cultivating community. And I think it should be a positive thing. And I think academia in many ways for many people is headed in that direction. But if you're in a toxic situation, you're not alone. And I guess that's that's what I wanted to say on that. But uh, Katie, we're somehow at the end of your episode. Crazy. How did we get here? How fast time just flew. (laughs) Um, Time is fake, actually. I I don't know if you know, uh, but that's what I learned this year. It's all fake. Uh, None of it matters. And yesterday was March 2020. Uh, So with that... (laughs) It feels like that. (laughs) Yeah, every day. Every single day I'm like, oh, is it April yet? Oh, okay. Uh, Where can the people find you on social media? Where can they connect and cultivate relationships with you? (laughs) <laughs> see that well, did you see what I did yeah yeah that was real clever thank you so um, much <laughs> um you can find me on twitter which is at kj shillington um linkedin which is katie shillington yes shout that out hire katie in a few years when she wants to be hired <laughs> yeah someone please hire me as a prof to do research yes, both all right. of the above <laughs> We're setting the ground. This is just, we're setting the groundwork right now. The foundation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what I need. You know, I, t- I said up one of my episodes, I think it was with Christina Olichna, where I was like, I really want someone to be like, Alana, I got a job because someone heard about me from your podcast. That's my goal. So girl, you plug that LinkedIn. Make my dreams come true, yeah. Katie. I would love to be a person that gets hired from your podcast. <laughs> yeah. If anyone has that happen to them and you're a former guest, please let me know. Like literally I'd be like, I'm done. The podcast has done it. It's, it's over. And on that note, right. I'm finished. <laughs> fin. Yes, exactly. Well, oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. It has been so much fun. Um, I've really enjoyed chatting and yes. taking a break from 
the work that I already wasn't doing today. Yes, so. <laughs> I love that. I know it's like we're at the end of July and I really feel like the second August hits, it's going to be like full speed ahead. Like by the time this yeah. comes out, we're going to be middle of August. Like I already know, like I'm going to be prepping for the semester. I'm taking two classes because oh, yeah. I hate myself. And like, I just know <laughs> that it's going to go full speed. So right now I'm like seven more days of summer. August will yeah. hit and it's over. So it's a weird limbo. No, I know. I refuse to believe that it will be August. I'm actually teaching a course for the first time in the fall, which oh is gosh. just wild. Good Absolutely luck. wild. No idea what I'm doing. Great. Oh, gosh. Good. Maybe probably shouldn't put that in there. In case no, no one knows what they're doing. No, I love that you did. No one knows what they're doing. I also wish how I like wish people understood that like courses taught by grad students, like a, we should be paid more for it because of how much work that goes into it. But mm-hmm. B, this is why like most universities, like it doesn't matter what school you go to because most of your classes are being taught by grad students who don't know what they're doing anyways. Like we're all on the same <laughs> level. No one knows what they're doing. It doesn't matter where you go to college. The end. <laughs> the end. We're done. Thank we're you done. and good night. <laughs> and on that point, <laughs> now that we've torn down academia in just every respect possible, <laughs> And built ourselves up. I mean, honestly, that's it's the, that's the, the game. Truth, honestly, <laughs> I feel like that's what we're going for in the end, right? We're we're rising up, and academia is falling down. But anyways, uh, Katie, <laughs> thank you for the millionth time for being a guest. It was so wonderful to meet you, listeners. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the podcast that I started during quarantine. And I will talk to you all next week for the Dear Grad Student One Year Anniversary Special. Hashtag bye. You can connect with Dear Grad Student on Twitter at Dear Grad Student, on Instagram at Dear Grad Student Pod, and on Facebook at Dear Grad Student. Everything that you need for the podcast can be found on the podcast website at deargradstudent.com. If you're looking for merch, you can go to the website, click merch in the menu at the top, or look me up on Redbubble. If you just want to listen to me ramble online, you can find me on Twitter at Alana underscore Gloger. That's E-L-A-N-A underscore G-L-O-G-E-R. And of course, everything for this podcast is made possible by the amazing podcast patrons. If you want to help out, you can join them at patreon.com slash deargradstudent for one, three, five, or $10 a month. If you want to help out the podcast in other ways, you can leave a review. Best place for that is Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Google Podcasts. Be sure that you are following Dear Grad Student on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever you find your other favorite shows to be sure that you are notified when each episode goes live. As a reminder, all resources and links mentioned in today's episode can be found in the description. And until next time, warmest regards, best wishes, sincerely, Alana. Alana.